Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Janine, host of the Olive Magazine podcast. You're listening to episode four of our special vegan theme series. In this episode, I chat to Olive's health editor, Tracy Ray, who gives some practical advice about how you can adapt a vegan diet to work for you and your lifestyle in the healthiest way possible. Today, I'm here with um, Olive and our sister magazine, Good Foods health editor, Tracy Ray. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And in this episode, we're going to try and get some practical advice about how to make a vegan diet work for you and your lifestyle in a healthy way. We'll be talking meat substitutes, special diets, and whether it's best to transition all at once, step by step. And we'll also be getting some questions from our audience. So um, first of all, Tracy, um, we were just talking about diets and you were saying there isn't really a one-fits-all approach when it comes to any diet. Can you just talk us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is such an interesting question and it's something that I used to get a lot when I previously worked in clinic. Um, a lot of people kind of asking, listen, what is the healthiest diet? What should I be eating? What should I be doing? And the reality is that it's really quite unique to the individual. While there's a lot of commonalities in terms of, you know, vegetables and carbohydrates and proteins and things like that, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, there's so many different factors that go into um, how your body will respond to nutrition. So our environment is a massive factor, our, even our genetics are a massive factor. And then, of course, there's practical factors, kind of like, um, you know, your culture, your resources, so budget, mm -hmm. your individual tastes because, you know, food is something exciting and you want something that tastes delicious as well. So I think it's it's really important to be aware of that when we're thinking about um, our diet and what we want to eat on a on a day-to-day -day basis. So people may be thinking about adopting a vegan diet as, as part of their normal diet. So they may be like they're, they're doing one day a week or they do, you know, people have done veganuary. Um, so it's not like you have to jump straight in, is it? I think people can sort of think about taking it a bit at a time. Do you think it's important that people maybe take a bit of time before they embark on a new diet then to do a bit of research so they're, they're more prepared? Yeah, absolutely. So I think 
in comparison to maybe what most of us would think of as a traditional kind of meat-based diet, which has um, includes meat and fish and animal products and eggs and things like that, a plant-based diet is, or a vegan diet, is a different approach. So you're kind of looking at foods a little bit differently because all of a sudden items like um, peas and beans and lentils, they're both a carbohydrate and a protein. Um, and also you're looking at, so you're looking at where you're getting your protein sources and your carbohydrate sources, and you're kind of building your plate a little bit differently mm. to the traditional approach, which, you know, at least in the UK would often be meat and, and two veg and things like that. Um, so I think taking it a little bit more slowly, um, doing your research, so reading up about where, what are your sources of protein on a plant-based diet? What are your sources of calcium and iron and omega-3 uh, fats? What are your good sources of fiber? All of these things are really, really good um, and important so that you can maintain your energy and so you're feeding your body properly during yeah. the transition. Yeah, we um, in another episode in this series, we were actually talking to um, Kerry Torrance, who's our nutritionist, and she does go quite heavily into some of the vitamins that you might need to, to supplement either by food or, or by, by taking them. Um, but I think that's a great idea is to kind of list, you know, list out your, the elements of, of that you might be missing or missing that you're substituting and making sure that you've got a list of different varied things that you can put into your diet because, you know, you don't want to be eating the same thing every day, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what can happen sometimes when people um, do switch to a, a vegan or more plant-focused diet is that they often can feel really, really brilliant in the beginning because they might just inadvertently find themselves eating more vegetables to kind of fill up um, as opposed to what they might the traditional kind of animal products they might have eaten. And so because of the increase in vegetables and nutrients and fiber that's coming with that, you can often feel really, really good and energetic and everything like that in the beginning. But if you're not conscious of making sure that you are receiving balance, so again, probably lots of the things that Carrie mentioned, like your, your proteins and other nutrients, you can start to... Um, lose a little bit of energy or mm. things like that as you go further on it's I, yeah I guess it's important to remember that you need a whole meal and you need calories exactly <laughs> like for energy you know you need that especially if you're you know out and about 100 um, that's such a good point actually as well on calories um just because one of the things that I do find is a lot of people can struggle to eat enough calories or they mm. even more so kind of accidentally don't eat enough calories when they do transition to a vegan diet because a lot of plant foods are just just so happen to be lower in calories. So things like grains and um, vegetables and fruits, they have a lower level of calories naturally than a lot of animal foods. Um, and I think it's when you're not eating enough calories to sustain yourself, that's where you can run into more trouble. So that's a really, really good point as well. Yeah. So maybe one thing to check if you are feeling a bit less energy is you know is it because I'm just eating all veg and there's just literally not enough in this to keep me going exactly if you're just if you find yourself leaning just on kind of salads and veggies and greens um then probably you're not getting enough calories yeah <laughs> let's talk about some of those um those common food alternatives mm -hmm. and obviously there's a big 
um, question about, you know, health. Um, a lot of them do have like fortified things, but but in and of themselves, the things like meat substitutes, vegan cheese, dairy, yogurts, that kind of thing. What what do you think about them? Yeah, so I think this is such an interesting topic and obviously a really common question as well. Um, and I guess from my perspective, I kind of split meat substitutes into two categories. So we have kind of the traditional meat substitutes and then we have the more modern um, meat substitutes. So okay. when we're talking traditional meat substitutes, we're thinking about um, things that have been around for centuries. So items like tofu, um, which is essentially soybean curd. Um, we're thinking tempeh, which is fermented soybeans. We're thinking seitan, which is wheat protein. So that's made by kind of washing wheat flour. So you're getting rid of the um, you're getting rid of the starch molecules and then you're left with the gluten protein. Um, and even things like um, lentils, things like that as well. Mm. So they're kind of more in that traditional category of meat substitutes, I would say. And they're all really good sources of protein as well. So if you are struggling with the with the protein side of things, so kind of getting your mind to adapt to mm. the idea of using nuts and beans and seeds and stuff to supplement your protein, then I think leaning on some of those traditional meat substitutes a little bit in the beginning can be really helpful. Then we have, and also just to say that those foods are largely kind of um, not very processed. So you're not yeah. going to see a lot of additives, things like that in them. Um, then we have what I would call the kind of more modern um, meat alternatives. So your things like TVP, which is textured vegetable protein. Um, your things like the Impossible and Beyond Meat Burgers, which yeah. um, are generally a mix of soy protein, seitan, and some form of oil, usually coconut oil. Um, you can find things like a lot of like meatballs and sausages now made using pea protein um, or a mix of different proteins. So it might be pea protein, some hemp protein as well. We a lot of the um, kind of meat alternatives, sausages and burgers and stuff do rely heavily on just soy protein. And then finally, okay. we have um, mycoprotein. Um, so that's sold under the brand name Corn, um, okay. and that's made uh, from a form of fungus. Um, so their products vary. So some of them will have eggs in them, and then some of them are right. vegan. So it's good to look at the label. But when it comes to the more modern for forms of meat alternatives, I would say think of them as that processed food. So, mm. you know, like with anything, so like with sweets or treats or, you know, chips or crisps, things like that, it's okay to have some in your diet, but I would just be careful with becoming too reliant on some of the more modern meat products because they yeah. do tend to have a lot of additives and things like that in them. Yeah. Um, and what about, um, you know, that years ago, I think there was hardly any vegan cheese. Um, now it seems like there's a whole cheese board's worth of vegan cheese. Um, how do you, how does that sort of stack up in terms of health benefits? 
Yeah. So <laughs> I think cheese is that one thing where um, if someone can create a vegan cheese that also is very good for you, they're going to be an instant billionaire. <laughs> because while I think we're doing quite well in terms of non-dairy milks and non-dairy yogurts, so you can find actually a whole range of unsweetened um, milks with, you know, very little additives um, mm. and yogurts that, you know, include probiotics, things like that. So they still have um, some nutritive value. Um, a lot of the cheeses, I would say, they're, they're really just based on, on fats and oils. Um, so I would say use them as a treat. Don't yeah. rely on them in the same way that you might have relied on cheese as a source of calcium and protein in an animal-based diet. Um, I would say use them more as a treat in terms of if you're trying to transition, um, using them occasionally, um, but also get, you know, make yourself familiar with some other ways of including cheesy flavors into your food as well in a healthier mm. way. So there's things like um, nutritional yeast, which has a really kind of savory, cheesy umami flavor. Um, or And you can kind of make a lot of sauces using kind of cashew nuts and things like that as well yeah. to, you know, kind of bring that flavoring into your cuisine without relying on kind of heavily processed vegan cheeses. Yeah. I guess, and we've been talking about it a lot this series, it's just um, use kind of what you need to transition, um, but then but then bring in more, you know, bring in more variety, change things up a bit. Don't kind of get stuck in that rut where you're just relying on buying packs of burgers or, you know, once a week sounds great. But um, if you're doing it every night, then maybe you need to... <laughs> Oh, have a word with yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I think, you know, from from a nutrition and a health perspective, mm. you know, the less processed, the better, of course. Yeah. You know, if we if we were all eating, you know, six to eight servings of fresh fruits and vegetables and all of our meals were made from, you know, beans and grains and nuts, it would be absolutely brilliant. It would be super, super healthy. But I think we have to take that health and nutrition advice into the into the context of a lot of people's reality. Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of balancing what we know to be true about what is healthy and balanced with, you know, the the reality of our, our lives and convenience. And also, mm. you know, making sure that we are meeting our nutritional needs while we're still filling the gaps of, of knowledge in terms of, you know, how much protein we need on a vegan diet and where those yeah. sources are and kind of, you know, where we should be getting healthy fats from and how we, while we're kind of including those into our regular um, food rotation, I think it's yeah. okay to lean a little bit on those products. Or as you say, for for a treat, if you're doing at, uh, making something fancy at the weekend or, you know, you want to try a new dish or you're really craving that kind of melty, cheesy feel, then absolutely it's fine to take those sometimes. But just be aware that they're not a healthy part of the diet. They're kind of, yeah. treat them more as that treat. Yeah. And there are, as we've said, plenty of, you know, we, we can all pick up a packet and read it. There are some some great products out there, dairy-wise or or spreads or yogurts or milks that do have 
fortification and added vitamins and stuff. And, you know, they're, they're kind of functional foods that, that, that manufacturers have designed to kind of help you along the way, I guess. Absolutely. So as I say, I mean, there's loads of brilliant yogurts out there that are a great probiotic source for to support mm. your gut health and general well-being. Again, fortified milks are a fantastic way to ensure you're getting some of those nutrients um, that you might otherwise be missing on a vegan diet. Um, but I think cheese still has a little way to go in terms of um, getting nutritive products. So they still, by and large, are, are a little bit more processed. Some of the softer kind of creamy based ones, you mm. can get some kind of almond based cream cheeses and things like that. Read the labels. They tend to be a little yeah. bit less processed. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, I would I would still put that in, in the treat category yeah. for the time yeah. being <laughs> which Just I know is not a popular it. thing to say <laughs> cool stay tuned for more vegan health and lifestyle tips from Tracy thought we might go on and throw some questions at you that have come in um, from readers mm-hmm. um, just some kind of random situations that might happen as and when you're you're transitioning onto your vegan journey. Love a few um, random the first, situations. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is um, it's about dietary restrictions. So when you, when you're going vegan, what about if you have got other dietary restrictions as well? For example, if you're um, gluten free, because we mentioned wheat based products. Then, yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So. I would say that absolutely it's possible to be vegan and have certain dietary restrictions like being gluten-free. There's lots of gluten-free vegan options out there. Um, And, you know, but, but what I would say with that, I think in the case where you do have that extra dietary restriction, it is worth talking to a health professional. Um, so be that a dietitian or a nutritional therapist, um, it's it's really worth just doing one or two sessions with them just to make sure that you're not going to be losing out on any nutrients um, or kind of going slightly off balance, just because it is that extra layer of complexity in terms of making sure that you're, you're reaching... Um, reaching your your nutrient requirements and things like that. So definitely possible, um, but it definitely, it takes a little bit more work. Yeah, I guess that as well, what I was thinking is there's a lot of, there's a lot of resource online, but online also tends to be very conflicted in its advice. So you can go down a real rabbit hole, can't you? Yeah, exactly. I think that again, um, I know it's not possible for everybody, but I think if it is possible, just talking to a professional can be really, really useful to make sure that you're getting something that's right for you. Um, Because yeah, a lot of the advice can be a little bit conflicting, but also I think it can kind of get you into um, a little, get you down kind of a bit of a rabbit hole um, and maybe kind of put a little bit of fear sometimes in terms of when you see these big long lists of can't have this, can't have this, can't have this. Whereas what we really want to do is um, put the focus on all the delicious foods that you can enjoy instead of kind of worrying about, oh, I ate this or what do I do if I can't eat this or this is gluten-free, but it's not healthy and I want to be healthy and vegan. And I think it can just 
become quite complicated. And yeah. particularly when it's something for ourselves, it's it's adding a lot of pressure to something that we really want to be quite an enjoyable experience and fun mm. and exciting transition. Um, so, yeah, I think if you can talk to someone, definitely that's a good idea. But, you know, if if it's something that you're, you know, you want to put the time and effort in and you really feel excited and confident to go it alone, then you probably will be leaning a little bit more on the unprocessed uh, vegan foods. So, you know, mm. beans, peas, lentils, all these things are uh, naturally gluten-free. Um, tofu, tempeh, all of these things are also gluten-free. Staying away from seitan, again, as I said, that is literally gluten <laughs> So that would not be a good idea. And then there are a lot of uh, flours and grains as well. Generally, the gluten-free, because gluten is the protein, generally gluten-free grains are a little bit lower in protein. So if you are thinking of that as well, I would just keep that in mind. So you might need to include a few more kind of nuts and seeds and beans and things like that. Again, if you had a nut allergy... Um, that can be that can be accommodated in a vegan diet as well, but it's just about um, reading up a little bit and making sure that you find something that works for you. I think it goes back to your your list of like you know what do I need to make a a balanced diet and what what are the things that I'm not allowed that are vegan in this list and then finding something else to kind of replicate that or substitute that so it's just just about being yeah doing a bit of work behind the scenes basically yeah I think you know even the first thing I think that's really great is even putting down a list of your protein sources because I do Mm. find that that's kind of the one that's that's a little tricky for for a lot of people so you know because you're going to be including things like maybe meat substitutes but also your beans your nuts your seeds um even some grains like wheat grains are very high in Mm. protein as well um and even then you know kind of categorizing a little bit um some of your sources of your vegan sources of calcium, your vegan sources of iron, um, vegan sources of um, fat, healthy fats. So, you know, kind of your walnuts or your chia seeds or things like that, that might have some omega-3 um, forms in them. Um, and just kind of writing a little, spending a little bit of time to write a list and looking at those foods that you might already have in your diet and then looking at the foods that you might want to bring into your diet and taking a look at how you can bring those into your diet as well. So, you know, think about what is your current breakfast. So if your current breakfast is scrambled egg on toast, maybe a really easy, quick transition would be a tofu scramble on toast. If your current breakfast is porridge, then it's about making sure that maybe you're upping the protein in that. To So you're adding maybe more nuts and seeds and nut butters and things like that to increase the protein. So I think kind of simplify it a little bit. Take a look at what you're eating right now. Take a look at the different sources and the different foods that you do and don't like. And just slowly try and sw- sw- swap them in and out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, okay, second question. Um, I'm in training for a half marathon and I'm worried about my, this isn't me by the way, I have <laughs> done half marathons before, but this is, this is a reader. In training for a half marathon, 
worried about having enough energy to train. Yeah, so I think it's really important to put it into context in terms of regardless of what dietary lifestyle you're following. So whether, you know, you do consume animal products or you don't, um, when you're bringing things like, you know, exercise, workouts, and particularly training for something like a half marathon, there will be adjustments and considerations to make to your nutrition. Um, So that's going to be an important part regardless. When it comes to veganism and uh, training and working out and things like that, I know I've previously said it, but the first thing is actually making sure you're getting enough calories. Mm -hmm. Again, particularly if you're newer to veganism or kind of newer to focusing a little bit more on plants, look at what you're eating on a daily basis. Are you kind of relying very heavily on kind of salad things and meat substitutes and maybe just throwing in a can of beans to some greens, things like that? Um, If that's the case, then you're definitely not getting enough uh, uh, caloric density. So you need to be adding in kind of more high calorie foods. So where are you getting your fats, things like avocados, olives, nuts? seeds, olive oil? Are you getting enough grains? So, you know, rice, pasta, um, potatoes, uh, starchy uh, vegetables, so like beetroot, carrots, parsnip, you know, you have to think about it as when you're exercising more, you're going to be burning Mm. even more calories. So it would be impossible to eat enough broccoli to sustain you to do those activities. So just have a get curious and just have a look and see, am I actually eating enough calories? to begin with, you know, am I getting proteins, fats, carbohydrates in every meal? Just simply have a look at your plate and see, is there a source of fat I can identify? So maybe it's porridge. So you have nuts in there. That's a source of fat. Is there a source of protein I can identify? Maybe you made it with soy milk. That's a source of protein. Is there a source of carbohydrates? So porridge is made with oats. That's your source of carbohydrate. And just get a little bit curious and think about that as well. The other thing I would say with working out, and again, I know it's a question that comes up a lot and it's definitely been debunked, which is the protein question. Yeah. And you you absolutely can easily meet your protein needs in a vegan diet. Um, but when people are working out, again, I think sometimes unless they're very savvy with kind of identifying the different sources on their plate, um, they can sometimes go a little bit low. So just making sure that, again, you're seeing those sources that you've listed, you know, do you have items like the tofu and the beans and the rice and everything like that that's coming into your diet to fuel, fuel your workouts? We have a wonderful uh, recipe site, olivemagazine.com, and you've chosen um, a few recipes uh, that you think are a great kind of addition to your vegan diet. I think we've got some some snacks in there, a little dessert in there. Um, what do you want to start with? Should we start with the... Uh, kefir and banana almond smoothie that one looks great yeah so this is a personal favorite um I do love a good smoothie um and I think one of the reasons I wanted to highlight this is because often um kefir is made with milk so we think of Mm. it as being something that we can't have on a vegan diet um but you can actually make water-based kefir um and you can also make coconut-based kefir um, can you just so, explain what kefir is, just for people who don't know what kefir is? Can, can you explain 
what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, kefir is a fermented uh, dairy product. Um, Mm. So as I said, traditionally made using milk, but you can also Mm. um, make it using using, uh, water. Um, And so it's a source of probiotics in the diet, something that a lot of people will consume to support their gut health or things like that, but also just a really good thing to have in general um, in your diet. Yeah. So the kef- it's the fermentation that makes the, the healthy bacteria. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this one's got, um, what have we got in there? Oh, the classic frozen berries, which are a brilliant source of um, smoothies. So many antioxidants and fiber and nutrients. And I think it's really useful as well um, using frozen berries because you can just kind of throw them in the freezer and you always have them on hand. Um, yeah. There's also banana in there, um, which is a really good source of, it has potassium and magnesium, um, and it's a really good source of uh, healthy carbohydrate. So it really fuels you up if you want that in the morning or like a midday snack as well. Is a smoothie an acceptable breakfast, do you think? Or do you think you need something else as well? I mean, it depends what you have in the smoothie. So um, I would say, you know, if you're kind of just doing a little bit of like, frozen berries maybe um and some water and a little bit of spinach that's not really going to be a lot of (laughs) nutrients and calories um but you know if you're taking something like this where it has your probiotics and you have from the kefir and then you have your banana and you have your frozen berries um if Mm. you're a little bit more hungry you can throw in some oats you can throw in some um flaxseed oil or nuts and seeds you know it really depends what you make out of it So I think as long as you're, again, thinking back to, is there protein? Is there fat? Is there some carbohydrate? Um, Then absolutely. It's it's fantastic. It can work. Brilliant. Um, And then another lovely breakfasty thing you've chosen, um, and you mentioned it before, is um, Californian tofu scramble. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. So, I mean, this is another one that I really love simply because a lot of people um, may have or still do consume eggs for breakfast. It's a very common egg, uh, common breakfast, scrambled eggs on toast. So I think this is a really good kind of direct substitute. So when you're in that transition phase or maybe you've been vegan for a long time, but you um, want to help a partner, you know, you're trying to convince a partner to try some more um, vegan dishes. This is a really, really simple one um, that's quite a, a decent direct substitute, I would say, because it looks visually quite quite yeah. similar. Um, and, you know, all you really need is a block of tofu. There's lots of different lovely spices in this one as well. So Ooh. you're bringing in a lot of antioxidants there. Um, there's some vegetables in this one as well, some avocado. Um, which is healthy fats, more fibers, everything like that. So it's a really uh, balanced and um, nutritious vegan breakfast. And I think this one uses smoked tofu um, because I remember when Adam, um, when we were testing it in the test kitchen way back when we could be in the test kitchen. And actually smoked tofu is one of those things that people who previously think, I don't like tofu, I would urge you to go and try smoked because what happens is it gets a different texture. It's not kind of that slippery kind of tofu that you would normally get. It's it's soft. It's 
it's um, the smoking process firms it up a bit and makes yeah. it a little bit more bouncy and gives you this extra flavor profile. So it's not just bland. So that's a great starting point for a lot of um, a lot of different recipes. That's a really good tip, actually, as well, because I know a lot of people can find tofu um, kind of, I, I guess, a new flavor, an interesting flavor. And Ooh. it's definitely something that takes marina- marinades and seasonings yeah, and stuff really, really yeah. well. Um, but yeah, oh, I love I love some smoked tofu. Yeah, I mean, as a cook, it's 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 interesting that you can really transform it. You know, by even if you take the tofu block out, put it between some um, kitchen paper, and wait it for a couple of hours, you you lose so much water, and it firm. You can mm. kind of firm it up yourself. You know, for then stir frying or whatever. And as you said, then you marinate it and. It needs a little bit of TLC, but I think it is an absolutely great thing to work with. But yeah, give it a bit of care. That's um, a really good tip, actually, about yeah. kind of, uh, you know, just squeezing out any of the excess water and things like that. So it does yeah. firm up and have that more meaty texture. Yeah. And then if you marinate it, it kind of then can soak, soak up, up what yeah. you marinate in it. In. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... Um, Lastly, I love this. You've chosen a chocolate mousse with a difference. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I'm a dessert person, um, specifically (laughs) chocolate. So I absolutely had to put something sweet in here. Um, But I think this is such a great uh, little dessert because to me, kind of from my nutrition perspective, I'm always looking at food in terms of, you know, how is it nourishing me first? So I'm like, Mm. you know, oh, you know, is there a good fat or a good protein? Am I going to get loads of B vitamins from this? And I think this dessert, because the the base is avocado, which is such a nutritious Mm. um, fruit, which has loads of nutrients, but loads of healthy fats, and it's quite filling, but also a little bit lighter. Um, You know, even though it's a dessert, you're actually getting a lot of nutrition as a base there. Um, mm. And then you have your dark chocolate, which it's 70% dark chocolate. So you're getting loads of really good um, flavonoids and antioxidants and polyphenols, which for anyone who doesn't know is basically kind of science talk for uh, health, <laughs> healthy, healthy hey, foods, healthy nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then there's, you know, just a little bit of sweetness with the agave Mm. and you can serve that with, you know, even more uh, nutrient abundant foods. So throw in, throw on some raspberries or, you know, whatever kind of berries you have, Um, you know, any sort of nuts. So we use pistachios, but you can use any sort of chopped nuts you have, cocoa nibs, you know, you're you're adding so many more fibers and uh, vitamins and minerals. And I mean, I would say if you're working out in particular, so if calories aren't an issue for you, this is a really good snack as well. Yeah, yeah. And the good thing about it is um, not only is the avocado, you know, really rich in those those great fats, but it, it just gives it this super smooth. I mean, it's like magic. Mm. We I remember when we tried it and if you gave that to someone and didn't tell them avocado was in it, they wouldn't know. You just wouldn't know because the dominant flavor is, is the, the chocolate and then the richness of the avocado just comes through as like creamy. So you just think it's cream. 100%. Um, and it's interesting to say that most dark chocolate is actually naturally vegan. Though, you, again, you have to read the um, the packet because 
um, the difference is, say like a seventy percent dark chocolate would 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 just be made up of cocoa solids and cocoa butter. Um, so there's no dairy product in it. However, a lot of dark chocolate is actually produced in factories where they produce milk chocolate as well. So it will it won't directly have anything in it. But if you're being super careful about it, then you might want to avoid, you know, some kind of cross contamination. But definitely, yeah. that's a really good point. And also, I think if you are um, following a vegan diet because of some mm. special dietary needs, so if you were yeah. dairy intolerant or something, you exactly. might want to be more conscious of that. But I think you yeah. made such a good point there as well in terms of the the avocado and, you know, literally not even be, being able to tell no. that, um, that it's a mousse created with avocado. And I think particularly if you're trying to maybe get some family members or some partners or anything on board yeah. with trying more plant-based foods, I say just don't tell them what's in it yeah, until they too. try it. <laughs> just make it a big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always find it's it's so interesting to me when introducing people to to some plant plant-based foods or kind of more mm. vegan recipes and stuff how delicious they can find it if they don't know what's in it first so I would definitely say try a few recipes and and get the feedback and then tell <clears throat> them that it's actually avocado <laughs> exactly um and you can find all of those recipes on olivemagazine.com and I noticed as well that um we've got a high pro- we've actually got a collection called high protein vegan meals on there, which I think you helped put together, Tracy. Mm-hmm. So so there's lots of resource there for people who are looking for new ideas for all sorts of meals during the day. But um, that's brilliant, Tracy. I think we'll wrap it up there. So thank you so much for coming to chat to us today. So much good advice and um, hope you'll come back again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you want to listen to the other episodes in this special vegan series or explore more of our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main platforms and at our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and some great cooking advice.